Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I, as always, break down AEW and NXT, especially with NXT, that main event between Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly, and of course, the last woman standing between Gonzalez and Ripley, and then with AEW, the moment that everyone's talking about, the end of Dynamite, too sweet. We get into detail about that, and of course, how about this? One of the greatest of all time, in the ring and on the microphone, Stone Cold Steve Austin joins us right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Sir, how are you this morning? Man, I tell you what, when you kicked in the Scorpions and Blackout, man, that got me going. Thank you very much. I'm doing great. Glad to be here with you guys, and thanks for helping me spread the word. We know how to get you ready. We know you're doing the big tour this morning, but now you're in a friendly place. Now you're in a safe place. Now you're amongst your people. We know what you like. (laughs) Now now I can talk like I really talk. (laughs) Exactly. Season two of Straight Up Steve Austin starting on January 11th, as I mentioned, and some amazing guests that are going to be part of season two. And I guess in a lot of ways, Bully, we could call him the demo god because you look at season one, you know, he hit on that 18 to 49 demographic, you know, when it comes to reality shows and everything else. So you have to be very pleased of the success of season one going into season two. Man, I tell you what, you know, we're, we're happy about season one, but, you know, it's been a long time since that time. And, and then we got pushed like everybody else did because of COVID. So, man, I'm just hoping we can find our market. Uh, we kicked ass in the ratings last year. We follow a great show and, and, and a great show in Monday Night Raw, where I come from. It's my home and my home is on the USA Network. So I hope we can reconnect with the audience and we have a killer uh, list of guests for this year and a bunch of shenanigans and uh, adrenaline, octane, and everything else that you can do on a show. So uh, I hope we find them again. Steve, I just want to run down the list of your guests this year. You got Luke Combs, Ice-T, Tiffany Haddish, Brett Favre, Steve O, uh, Burt Kreischer, uh, Joel McHale, and Charlotte Flair. Out of all the guests that you, that you, you know, spoke with, chatted, whooped it up with, who did you feel like you had the best chemistry with? Every single one of them. That every single one of them, and that that was the way this show goes. And it's like I, I tell everybody before the show, bully. I say, hey man, uh, you know, I said w- if we don't have a good time today, we're doing something wrong. And I hit it off with every single person on this list, and uh, I don't know why that is because. It was weird when we got started. You know, we're working through all the protocols of COVID and everything like everybody else was. We're lucky to get this show in the can. But, dude, I jumped off the page with everybody as soon as I met them, and that's rare. And if you, you think, do you think your personality loosens them up? Because one of the things that I notice about you, like when you when you say hello to people for the first time, you make 
incredible eye contact. You look through people, and it can come across as intimidating at sometimes. Do you feel your personality loosens them up right from Jump Street? Man, I let them know I'm out to have a good time. And, you know, if you're coming on the show or if I'm a guest on, you know, your show, you're, you're trying to shine me up. You're not trying to make me look bad. So, you know, I, you know, <clears throat> I got to give a lot of credit to the people that are on season one, because when you when you pitch season one, you can send them a trailer. But trailers aren't always how the show is. When you can send them season one, they can look at it and then they can see the numbers based off that and say, okay, now I want to be a a part of this because I know what it is. And it's not Stone Cold Steve Austin out there cutting a promo on somebody. You know, Bully, we've known each other a long time. You know, there's no BS when it's time for a handshake and meet somebody. I put it out there. I let them know where I'm at. And and this is an entertainment business. You know, it's, and I, I want to be the Johnny Carson of an action adventure talk show. Uh, one thing that you do, and Bully just mentioned making your guests comfortable, and, and I've told you this in the past, like you have an art to being an interviewer. You just, you know, it's it's a conversation. It's not an interview. You don't have a, and you, maybe you do, but if you do, I certainly can't see it. It doesn't seem like you have a list of questions for anybody that you're interviewing. It just feels like you're just, you know, you know a, a bystander on a conversation. Is that something that you've worked on or does it just come natural? Man, I don't know, because I, I listen to you guys, and I think y'all do uh, awesome interviews. And, some, you know, I guess you try not to get in your head, right? And you're just trying to facilitate conversation. One thing leads to another, and you got to do your homework, and you got to know who you're uh, talking with. But, man, they, they always surround me. They've surrounded me with, with a bunch of people on this show to make me better than what I am. You know how it goes, Bully, right? Uh, when when you got great people surrounding you, uh, you know, that makes you better. But I, to answer your question, Dave, I'm just I'm, I'm trying to do my best. I don't think I got it all figured out yet, and I'm still rough around the edges. But that's just my style, and I, I, I guess it's working for me. But I, I, I'm damn sure not going to call myself the best. I'm just trying to have fun, and I hope that fun comes through the TV screen. And I'm trying to to create some, create something real with my guest. You know, Steve, you said something that's pretty important. You talked about the people that surround you and the guests on the show. Your job is to shine them up, but in turn, they're going to make you look better also. And earlier on in the show, we were talking about the current state of pro wrestling and the product, and I actually used you as an example. I said, listen, Steve, as great as Steve was, Steve just standing in the ring by himself will only go so far. You need that other person, i.e., the Vince McMahon standing across from you, and when you have your personality and the personalities of the people that want to be on your show, you bring that together. That's the beauty of it. And it just, it's, it's refreshing and interesting to hear you talk about those other people that are going to make you better. Because I don't think wrestling fans think in those terms, like, wow, these other people are going to make Steve Austin better. Yeah, they are because they're going to bring out aspects of your personality that you might've not brought out in the first place. You agree or not? Oh, 100%, man. You got to have a dance partner, and someone's got to play the music, and someone's got to set the table. I'm not a one-man show. I'm the, I'm the face of the show. But, hey, man, there's a lot of moving pieces in there. A lot of people are smarter than I am on that show. And, you know, it's kind of like booking back in the day, uh, Bully. Yeah, I can go in there and, and sit there and talk with Vince, and he's a big-picture guy, but I, and, and he could present a steak. I, I was always good at putting the salt and pepper on the steak. Not really, you know – booking for the whole territory, but making things better. So there's elements of that. Everybody's hands on on the show. But at the end of the day, man, it's all about the guests and, and, and hoping they have a good time. And, 
you know, when, when someone gives you a, a day of their life, you know, you're spending six to eight hours, sometimes 10 hours filming a show. It's the fastest moving half hour show on television, but it's a lot of work and it's a lot of setup. So uh, when someone shakes my hand or gives me a hug after the show and says, God dang, that was the best times I've ever had in my life. That's what I'm looking for. All right, so when you looked at that list of guests that you were going to have for season two, was there one guest in particular that you were really excited about? Well, I was excited about all of them for different reasons. Uh, but j- just so I can give you an answer, because I'm a, I'm a football junkie, you know, when I was going to go down to Mississippi and talk to Brett Favre, uh, and I lo- always love wrestling down the south anyway. I, I like the, the, the wrestling territories down there. We went down to Mississippi to hang out with Brett. And here's a guy, you know, that's played more games consecutively than anybody with the toughest SOBs in the history of the NFL. And I'm going to spend a day with him. And, you know, after all the success and going to the Hall of Fame and being a gunslinger, you know, hey, what kind of cat is this guy going to be? He's cool as hell. I'll, I'll watch my language. So I look forward to You don't to have to. Them, but, you know, I, I, I'm a huge football junkie. So, so Brett Favre was really, really cool. It was funny. The only one conversation I had with Brett Favre was about the TV show White Shadow. You never know what's going to like hit with certain people. You just don't know. And it just takes that one little bit of conversation that could open a guest up. Yeah. And then, dude, I went in. They were putting his makeup on. And we, we ain't got a whole big crew of us because, you know, COVID and all that other stuff. But he was in there and they were just getting some stuff on him. And he's laid back guy anyway. And, uh, you know, going through all the protocol, I went over and shook his hand. He's sitting in his chair. I said, hey, man. I said, I've been watching for a long time. Nice to finally meet you. So we shook, shook hands. It was on. And we had a damn good time. Awesome. I think it was in season one. You talk about certain things that, you know, get the conversation started. I think it was with uh, – with uh, Rob Riggle, I'm not sure. But right off the bat, you guys are in your dune buggy and you're talking about the first concert you ever saw and he said, Ozzy with Motley Crue. And I jumped out of my couch at home. I, I couldn't pick up my Twitter quick enough to be like, holy shit, Steve went to go see Ozzy and Motley Crue. That was my first concert ever. Dude, and, and, well, I remember my first concert. First of all, I saw uh, Ozzy and Motley, but my first uh, concert was Axe and Heaven opening for Motley in the Astro Hall right beside the Astro Dome in Houston. And that's where the guy threw up on my back. And uh, But, yeah, that was my first concert. So, dude, we had so much in common, and that guy is such a professional. Uh, and I didn't know how that episode was going to be because that was the first one we had filmed after the pilot. And all of a sudden, man, you get in a big-ass tank and start crushing cars. What's not to like? True. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have Sal from Impractical Jokers that you did an episode with as well. And he's just going gaga because he's such a big Stone Cold fan, which I'm sure you get a lot of maybe even in season two as well. Man, Sal was so cool. I think I meant, what was it, Barclays or Garden, wherever I saw him. And I got him in the damn ring or said hi to him and gave him a hug. You know, that, that guy was awesome. You know, it, it's really cool. Because all the people that are on my show, uh, I'm a fan of, and, and uh, I follow them. You know, like, go to Steve O. You know, bully back in my prime. You know, Jackass was a thing. It was a movement. I mean, you had to watch Jackass, and to sit there all these years removed, and now they're making another Jackass movie. But you know, you think, okay, here's this guy doing all this crazy stuff, tearing him, tearing his body up, and then he goes into kind of a little downward spiral and kicks out and makes a full comeback. 
you sit there and talk with him and you see what a genuine human being he is. And dude, dude is extremely intelligent. Well, when you watched him all those years, you wouldn't have figured he's as smart as he is, but he is. So uh, it, it's, it's interesting that some people, you know, not everybody knows or watched my whole career, but, you know, I guess if you did the research, if I'm asking to be on the show, I, I've achieved some success. So maybe they recognize that. I don't like to blow smoke up my own ass. I don't know how to, I don't know why things work the way they do. I'm, I'm just trying to do a job and do it well and have fun because I truly enjoy this show. And there's not too many things you can find. Bully, you might be able to, to come with me on this. And you really enjoy doing after a career in the business of pro wrestling. And I have so much fun on this, you know, and, and I know it's been a long time, but I don't do a lot of things just because I don't like doing them. I love this show. And, and it comes across on the show. You can tell you're having a good time. You can tell when you're laughing and smiling that it's genuine and not just forced or, or, or you're working. Now, on the show, we see you driving fast in the car, going crazy in the boat, in the dune buggy. You have, you know, uh, with the guests are doing all the things that you like to do. You said you spend six or eight hours with a guest, you know, living their life, their day. Are there any activities that they've had you do for the first time that you had never done before or that you were a little, uh, you know, cautious of? No, not really. Uh, Some people have wanted to work out. I don't like to really work out on TV. So we'll we'll listen to the guest and if they got something uh, that they want to do, you know, we'll entertain the thoughts of it and say, hey, does this work for TV? How will it fit the show or whatever? But, you know, we've got a production team. We have me. We, the guests got suggestions. We'll listen to anything. Specifically, uh, well, I just I didn't want to work out. That was one of the only things I turned down. It's just not not my style. I'll drink with anybody, though. But, yeah, Bully, we're, we're, we're an open, you know, come to us with an idea. If you're going to be a guest, yeah, we're happy to facilitate it. Speaking of drinking, and I got the Broken Skull IPA that I always hey. have here in the studio when I'm doing the show. Um your your sit down on Broken Skull Sessions with with the Undertaker, and you know I've said it on the show before. It's 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 awesome, but at the same time heartbreaking when you see somebody that you know you've bought into the character for so long. And me as an old school pro wrestling fan, it's just it's heartbreaking at the same time. I mean, what was it like for you sitting across the table? Obviously, you know him as the man. You've worked with him, but knowing that that character and completely that curtain has just been. Forget about just completely torn off now that we go into 2021. I can appreciate what you're saying. I, I can see because you're, you're one of those guys that couldn't stand to see Taker lift up the veil and finally say after 30 years, believe it or not, I'm a human being. And that's the way I look at it because I'm, a, I'm as big a fan of the business as anybody and I understand kayfabe. I understand protecting the business. But when it's when it's time to ride off in the sunset, if Mark Calloway never talked about being the Undertaker, why shouldn't he have that opportunity to do that? Just like anybody else, because he can't be the Undertaker anymore. He can make an appearance on Raw or, or whatever. But now it's time to live his life, and the majority of his life was being that guy. So. I I think it's great for him to do it. It doesn't bother me in the least. I mean, hell, I've done it. And to a point, hell, he'll start going in that cycle where everybody's asking the same questions, but that's going to take a long time. So I think it's outstanding. I can understand where you're coming from. Bully, I don't don't mean to switch the table, but how do you feel about it? I love it. 
because there's nothing left for the undertaker and the character of the undertaker to do and if we want to continue on with this man there's almost there's only so much emotion you can get out of that character and we've run the gamut of emotions with the undertaker now i want to start to run the gamut of emotions with mark calloway and the minute mark calloway starts to i'm getting goosebumps talking about it. the minute mark calloway starts to talk i'm back at square one and i know how square one was with the undertaker so i have real high hopes for square one with mark calloway and listening to him talk and tell stories and obviously you two bouncing off each other me being old school it's so interesting to listen to and i i love the man more I love the man because I got to share a locker room with him. I got to work with him. I got, But you just become so much more impressed with the human being. I've done it with the character already. I've been yeah, there, and, done it. We've and, done it over again. And, you know, like I said in that first time uh, he was on the show, I said, man, I've known you for a long time, but I don't know you very well because it was a shoot. And then he came back on that second time. And, you know, man, I busted out that bottle of Jack pretty quick. And then we started drinking a couple of beers and, you know, it wasn't about him letting his guard down. You know, Mark, Mark's a smart, smart guy, but he was more comfortable with me on that second go round. It's just two grizzled veterans. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna date us, but you talk about two grizzled veterans from, from Texas who have spent a lifetime, him longer than me, uh, in love with the business of pro wrestling and performing, performing at the highest level. Now sitting there just talking shop, not inside shop trading stories and just reliving some good times. And it truly goes back to uh, that song in uh, his series, a troubadour. And it was just, just a, just a BS session with a cool ass guy. And, and you know it's, what? And it, I'm, I'm sorry, bully, but, and, and I understand, but it almost feels like for me, and again, this is the old school fan to me and maybe I'm, I'm being silly. And I loved it. I love the interview. I've watched it more than once because it, now I know who the man is, but I almost feel like I shouldn't know. Like you're talking about two grizzled veterans swapping war stories. I almost feel like I shouldn't be involved. I shouldn't be listening to this. This is for like there's certain places I won't go with bully because I just feel like for me as an outsider and a fan, there's a line I should not cross. I just I still feel like there's a line that shouldn't be crossed. Well, I, you know, and that's your opinion and how you feel. And you're certainly entitled to that. You know, it's uh, hearing you talk about Taker not letting his guard down and how it took a while, you know, after the first interview, you said, you know, I didn't know you that well. Personal experience. I, he let his guard down with me much quicker than you let your guard down with me. I found him easier to get along with right off the bat. I felt that you were the one that never let their guard down. But now, like, knowing you and being friendly with you, I'm like, how did how did that even, you know, how did that even happen? It's amazing how certain personalities gel with one another. And sometimes it takes that that common thread. And for the common thread for obviously for me and you was rock and roll. And once we started talking about rock and roll and not wrestling, because you don't want to talk about wrestling. No, not, not too much. You just want to talk about all the other stuff that you have in common or, or the, the things that, that are actually going on in the world. So, so sometimes, yeah, dude, you, me and Jericho used to sit around and Jericho with this trademark apple sitting there, you know, the way he'd spin that thing around and eat it. It was like, it was so zany. It was so Jericho. And we talked about nothing but music and rock and roll. 
And, and that's what uh, we do here on the show. Today we were talking about venom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> an often an forgotten name. Yes, without a doubt. One day we're going to have to get you on just to talk about music, but really looking forward to Straight Up Steve Austin season number two starting on January 11th, immediately after Monday Night Raw. Again, you're doing a phenomenal job on every platform that you're involved in, and we truly appreciate the time as always. Oh, thank you guys for helping me spread the word. Love being on the show. And I had a great time. It was a tough time while we were filming this. Uh, it took us a while to get into a groove, but I, I've been watching the edits and I just have a smile on my face and I'm not putting, putting the show over, but I, I really love it. I love what I'm doing. I hope everybody uh, enjoys the show. It's, it's uh, a half hour of trying to have a good time and just enjoy what you see. Straight Thanks, up Steve, Steve Austin. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Truly appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Bully. Thanks, bro. Awesome talking to Stone Cold Steve Austin. Bully, Bully, does it make sense what I was saying, though, as far as, like, even now, even, even when you and I are talking on this show, I still feel, and we've been doing this show together for years, I, there's still, you know, places I won't go, still questions I won't ask. There's still uh, certain phrases I won't use because I still feel that even though you and I do a show together, even though I host Busted Open, I've never stepped through the ropes. I've never been in the locker room. I've never traveled with you. There's still certain places I should not go and I should not touch. And I feel like here in 2021 with, with a lot of fans, they feel like they need that they're, they are they're in the know or they should be in the know. And I still feel there's places that there's a line that you should not cross. Well, when it comes to me and you, listen, you can ask me anything you want. You don't have to worry. And if you cross the line, I'm going to smack you right back over the other side. We should be talking about anything and everything. Um, I, with with you, when it comes to The Undertaker, you're you're that guy sitting in the bleachers saying it's, saying it's still real to me, damn it. And I understand that. That's your love and appreciation for pro wrestling. I look at it from a diff completely different point of view. If you compare, like, The Undertaker to Kiss, and I always use Kiss as my barometer for a lot of different things, but you're only going to get so far with the makeup on. So we'll take the makeup off. But why are we going to take the makeup off? Because we know if we'll take the makeup off, one day we'll be able to put it back on. And that's what Taker is doing. Take the makeup off to put it back on. Now, I don't know if we're ever going to see him again. And I don't need to see The Undertaker ever again. Uh, because I think we've seen everything from him that we possibly could want to see. Or anything like that. Now, getting to know Mark Calloway is special to me. I'm so much more intrigued by his stories, like seeing him and Michelle McCool in their kitchen and they're kind of arguing with one another and he's rolling his eyes behind yeah. her. That makes me laugh. Like I like, I can appreciate that interaction. I know I'm not going to get that from the, the dead man rest in peace. We've seen that for 30 years. Other than his entrance, what do you need to see again? And it's, and it's a good point. And I think one thing you said in the interview with Stone Cold that definitely is true is that, hey, this is the decision that he has decided to make. So if he's decided, you know what, I want to show this side of me, that's his right to. He's earned it. Now, there's been other legends, you know, to me, the greatest of all time, Ric Flair, who takes exception 
to the way certain fans talk. You know, certain terminology that was inside the business terms that fans feel that they can use freely and it just is kind of disrespectful. Do you agree with some of that coming from Ric Flair? If you're going to use insider terms like you're a know-it-all, that's wrong. You know, hey, when you when you decided to call retribution jobbers, I explained to you why you shouldn't be using that. I can call them jobbers all day long. I've taken bumps. You have never taken a bump. You don't understand what it's like to hump the road. And when somebody, uh, when a wrestler hears a guy like you call them a jobber, it, it's a smack in the face. It's an insult because you know something? We need jobbers in the world of pro wrestling. And sometimes the jobber is as important as the star. Because if it wasn't for the jobber making the star look good, just like Steve said, he's echoing what I say on the show all the time is you need that dance partner. Well, sometimes your dance partner is a jobber. So don't throw the word jobber around like it's some ultra derogatory term. If it comes out of your mouth, it doesn't sound right. And that's why somebody like Rick will take exception to it. Now, if you're having a conversation with Ric Flair and you say, hey, Rick, that night that you were in the ring with Dusty Wolf and Dusty's job was to, uh, let me let me not confuse Dusty. When you were in the ring with uh, uh, Barry Horowitz and Barry Barry's job was to enhance you that night, Rick is going to know that you're going out of your way to not, Try to make it seem like you're so in the know and look smart. That's why I like smart fans. I don't like smart marks. And I think that's what we have on our show, smart fans. And we try to look at wrestling and talk about wrestling in a smart way. Not gonna, But don't be a smart mark with us. Smart marks will never, will never ever get a, a, a wrestler's respect or my respect. I, I forget about other wrestlers. I'll just talk about me personally. You know, if you come up to me here, here's a typical smart mark thing to do. They come up to you and they ask for an autograph and they call you by your real name. That's a smart mark thing to do. That's when you just look at them and go, why? But how about, okay, I'll just sign my real name. Go back and show that to all your friends. It's Am I yeah, making sense it, here? It's, it's, it's a respect factor. You know, it, it's, I, that's how I take it. As a, it's, it's, it's disrespectful because we've never been introduced, you know, like it'd be different. And bully, you're bully, <laughs> you know, like I, I, you know, you're not only that on the show. I mean, um, it's it's it. I've had I've had fans come up to me talking carny. What are, what are you doing? Why would that's just stupid? Is it because these lines have been blurred so much that people don't know what's right and what's wrong anymore? Because I believe they so do know what's right. Line? I do believe that fans know what's right. They just want to seem like they're in the know or I'm in on it. How many? Didn't we have we ha I had one guy on social media, I think who called into the show early on when me and you started, who who thought he was like a character on the show and he said on social media, Oh, you can I'm just working with you guys on the show. I'm just working with you guys. Working with us. We're not working with you. You're not a part of our business. You're not a part of the wrestling business, the radio show. You're not a character. We're not working with you. You're not in the know. You're not you're not a part of the team. You're you're a wrestling fan that's more than welcome to call in any time that they want, but you're not a part of anything. 
You're not, you're not in the know, so don't try to make it seem like you're in the know. I think it, I think the word is respect, and I and, and it's still something because you mentioned Kiss Bully, and for fans that don't know, it wasn't just that Kiss wore makeup, which they're currently doing. You did not know who was behind that makeup, like it was a big deal. Who's who's you know who's the demon? Who's the, who's the cat? Who's the space ace? You know who's who's Paul? Like you didn't know who they were because of the makeup, and it was like a big thing that mystique, that magic that you wanted. You wanted to know who was behind the makeup, but you really didn't want to know because you wanted to keep that magic and mystique. Now in the world of pro wrestling and bully, we've talked about it many many times. We've lost that magic. We've lost that mystique. You know, and 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 in a lot of ways, I know for myself right or wrong, I, I still kind of want to believe in that magic and that mystique, even though it's probably not there. Gene Simmons' real name is Chaim Weitz. Jewish, her, uh, Jewish religion, Jewish heritage, yep. uh, from, mom from Israel, right? Chaim Weitz, and I'm saying his name like that because I'm trying to say it the right way and put the proper respect on his name. Would you ever have the nerve to walk up to Gene Simmons and go, excuse me, Chaim, can you please sign my paper? Never. I mean, the same thing there with Alice go. Cooper. Vince Fernier is his real name. I would never in a million years, and, and probably anybody that that would deserves a punch in the face would call him. Hey, Vince, you know, it's you're like, going to call get, him Get out. away from me. Get yeah. away from me. Stop it. Hey everyone. This is Lisa. Ann, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, the Lisa Ann experience. This is my chance to share with you. My experiences past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts. I had a blast watching pro wrestling last night. I thought both shows were very good for their own individual reasons. Um, I think the shows were slightly better last night because of the nonstop barrage of negativity that we got hit with all day yesterday. So it was definitely a great escape oh, for lots of for, for lots and lots of wrestling fans. Doesn't matter, you know, if you, wrestling fans, no matter where you fall politically, at least we can agree, agree on one thing on Wednesday night. Somebody's going to make you happy with a great show. And both shows, I thought, did a great job last night. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and be ultra critical today because I don't think today is the right day for it. I enjoy it too much. There were little things here and there that were glaring to me that I know I would have uh, tried to do better or recommended to the talent to do better. But for the most part, two fun shows, two entertaining shows, NXT and extremely well wrestled in the middle of the ring show. Uh, AEW once again with surprises and a fun show. And you know what, Dave? Maybe today is just a great day to hear from the nation and their love of pro wrestling in general. Yeah. And no, how last night shows were not only great, but a great escape. Yeah, and, and we're going to get to the nation. The nation's starting to call in now, 877-344-4893, 877-FIGHT93. I like what you just said, Bully, as far as, and, and this is usually the case, but I think it was even more amplified last night. You always say that NXT is usually the better 
pro quote unquote pro wrestling show in you know inside the ropes wrestling wise technically and everything else i think that was amplified last night when you look at that show from top to bottom i mean if you if you want to show a uh, pro wrestling show 101 you know even to uh the Zia Lee with, you know, enhancement talent showing her new persona and character. I thought they did a great job with that as well. The main event in the championship match, the Damian Priest uh, carrying cross match to start the show up and down. Just a great pro wrestling show. And then when you look at AEW, it's again, it's about the surprises. It's about the moments. I said on Busted Open yesterday with Tommy that, you know, usually I watch AEW live and then I watch NXT. I said, you know what? I'm going to watch NXT live and then I'm going to watch AEW. AEW made that impossible. Why? Because I'm on social media and then all these things are popping up. I'm like, I, 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 I got to switch over and check this out. You know, and I, I, most of the show that I watched live was NXT, but they made it very difficult because AEW had surprises that happened throughout the show that grabbed your attention. But as I said, both shows grabbed my attention for different reasons. I know I say it every Thursday morning about why I like each one of these shows. NXT, NXT to me is the best pro wrestling product in the United States right now. That, that's it. End of story. It really is. When it comes to the in-ring product, the in-ring wrestling, the psychology, the storytelling of what goes on in those ropes, to me, it's superior. Now, I'm sure we could have a discussion, an argument, whatever, about NXT and New Japan, because those New Japan guys, my God, what we saw in Wrestle Kingdom this past week was off the charts. When I'm tuning into NXT, uh, I'm definitely tuning into the pro wrestling. When I'm tuning into AEW, I'm definitely tuning in for the entertainment, which is weird because I don't think we ever thought that we'd be tuning into AEW for the sports entertainment factor of this whole thing. It, it felt like when they first started, they were going to be more of the you know pro wrestling, that uh, that hybrid of New Japan and Ring of Honor with a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of entertainment you know uh, uh, thrown in there. To me, it's the entertaining uh, uh, show on Wednesday nights. It's funny how, and I and I agree with you, when you look at the pure pro wrestling show, I think NXT by far, when you look at the whole scope of pro wrestling here in the U.S., without a doubt, NXT is number one. And then when you look at AEW, when you look at that sports entertainment aspect, they're number one. I, I mean, you know, Monday night, I mean, AEW does sports entertainment better than the sports entertainment show for three hours on a Monday. You know, it's not and, even close. It's, it's not even, it's not even close. You're, you're a hundred percent right, bully. But again, it's you. We've said this a hundred times. Gosh, I wish these shows were on different nights. It, 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 these it's, it's impossible to watch these two shows at the same time because your eyes are glued. They don't give you a chance to turn the channel. And I think NXT, and this was a big show for NXT last night with New Year's Evil. They've been promoting it for a while. Uh, their heavyweight championship match, Karrion Cross being back and having a major match with Damian Priest. I mean, the the women's match between Gonzalez and, and Rhea Ripley, I mean, off the charts. That last woman's standing match was incredible last night, Bully. Um, Raquel Gonzalez, uh, whenever I saw her for the first time as that, as a bodyguard six months ago, eight months ago, whatever it was, 
I, th- I just thought she was going to be an- another bodyguard. You want to talk about somebody who takes a step forward in my mind every time that I see her? It is that woman. She, you can tell she wants to get better. You can see her getting better. She, I think the... I Dave, I popped. I legitimately like like my eyes popped open. I, I jumped to the edge of my seat when I saw her throw that first clothesline on Rhea Ripley. It was such a great clothesline. Talk about one of the most prostituted just moves in all of wrestling. The clothesline. She threw it so well. She's so in command of her own athletic ability. It looked like a legit, believable clothesline. It was when I talk about athletic ability within the scope of doing moves, it's about control. Some people flail when they throw a clothesline. Some people throw what they think a typical pro wrestling clothesline looks like. Her clothesline last night looked as as legit as anybody else's. It was there. It was snug. It was safe. It was, you know, most of all, Dave, it was believable. When I saw... Raquel Gonzalez throw that clothesline at Rhea Ripley. I know she knocked Rhea on her ass for real. I'm glad you brought that up because the counter to that bully is how well Rhea sold. They were legit a couple of times during that match. I was like, oh my gosh, is Rhea really hurt? Because you almost saw like her eyes rolled in the back of her head. Like either she legit got hurt or she can sell better than anybody right now on that NXT roster. And that was one of the flaws that people talked about with Rhea Ripley, even going into that match with Charlotte at WrestleMania 36, where it seemed like her work sometimes was a little choppy and she really did not ho- really did not know how to sell well. That is not the case anymore with Rhea Ripley. And there's a lot of people saying right now, Bully, and I hope it's not the case, but that might have been the last we saw of Rhea Ripley on NXT last night. Well, if that's the last that we saw of Rhea Ripley, hopefully we see her in the Women's Royal Rumble and she wins the whole freaking thing. That's what I'd like to see. I've been high on Rhea from day one. And she continues to impress me with every aspect of her game. Her look, her gear, her entrance, her physicality, her promo, everything. Across the board, to me, she is a star. And she's been a star for a while. Now, hopefully that star doesn't diminish if she moves up to the main roster and we start having the same conversation with that main roster move that we do with everybody else. They have something special with Rhea. They have something special, I believe, with Raquel. Shotzi. There's a lot of girls in NXT that really could... if presented the right way on the main roster, could be big-time players. And I'll be damned. I want I want to see a lot more of those women than I do of the Mandy Roses and the Dana Brooks these days. Because until I see the Mandy Roses and the Dana Brooks step up their game the way these other women have stepped up their game, I'm sorry. I don't care how long you've been around. I don't care about uh, whether you think you deserve it or entitlement. The best performer gets the spot. And right now, what I'm seeing from the women that I just mentioned, those are some of the best performers in all of the women's division. And hopefully we're talking about those women in the same breaths as the Charlottes, the Sashas, the Baileys, and the Oscars. 
Yeah, and, and you know, and you can't help but compare, right? Because you know, everybody has that fear of when you move to NXT to the main roster, especially like a Monday Night Raw. The biggest example is Shayna Baszler. Something that we didn't get into on Tuesday's show is that loss that Shayna Baszler took from Dana Brooke on Monday night. Now you have somebody like Shayna Baszler, legit, credible MMA athlete, was a badass on NXT, and really since she's come to the main roster, yeah. A lot of damage to her. A lot of damage even to her credibility. And then you look at Isaiah Lee, who they cha- totally changed her personality and, and character. What a great way to show that emotion from her, that aggression from her. That's the way you do it. Not this 50-50 booking in order to get everybody on your roster over. You take the special talents and you bring them up organically and over time. And they're doing that right now with Zia Lee. Another talent that they got over the old school way with the vignette. Yep. Back in the day when you came into the WWE, you came in with vignettes. I remember as a kid watching about eight to ten weeks of vignettes for Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And when he finally got there, you knew who he was. You knew what he was. You knew the who, what, when, where, why of, of Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I'm just using him because that has always stuck out to me in my head. Yeah, they did so it the with first... Dusty. They did it with everybody. Yes. So so now when they're there, it's like, oh, I get it. With Zaya, she was she was there, but I don't think we were really able to to sink our teeth into her. Now with the vignettes that they've been doing, and once again, round of applause, standing ovation, bravo, Jeremy Borash. He's the one behind all this. For those of you who don't know, Jeremy Borash behind all of the final deletion and the whole, you know, stuff that Matt Hardy did in TNA. Borash, a big part of that. Borash, a major part of Undertaker versus AJ Styles at WrestleMania with the cinematic match. And we've seen Borash's work with Zia Lee helping her get over to the moon. He's also the one who's been producing the um, uh, Io Shirai stuff and putting all the packages together for Rhea and Tony. My point is, I wanted to give Borash props right there, but I also, what I'm trying to say is, that's how you help talent get over. You, 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 bring the, you bring us closer to them. You bring them deeper to us. Now when Zaya's in the ring, after all of those vignettes of her, she went from crying. You know who she reminded me of? She reminded me of, uh, you know, of, uh, uh, oh, here we go. Too many concussions. Kill Bill. Okay, the Kill Bill series, yep. Of uh, of what's her name and Kill Bill because at first when she saw Pi May, you know she was a bit of a punk. But then after she spent some time with Pi May, she became so damn tough that she couldn't hurt her. And that's what Zai is kind of turning into. Hey everyone, this is Nicole Auerbach, and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about. When they're outside the spotlight, we'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. You know, my favorite part of the ending segment was last night. I'm on board with it being, you know, different and the whole impact AEW possible relationship, the invasion, uh, obviously with the Good Brothers there. Big fans of those dudes. Happy to see them doing something that'll give them some great exposure my favorite part of last night's 
run-in beatdown was seeing Kenny Omega bloodied up and bruised. That's what I want to see with Kenny Omega. I want to see Kenny Omega the fighter. I want to see him grizzled and beat up a little bit. That That's what left the lasting impression with me last night. Seeing that huge black and blue on Kenny's arm. Now, I'm not, I don't want anybody to get hurt, but a couple of battle scars never hurt anybody. Seeing Kenny bloodied up a little bit, those are images I'm not used to seeing. And I'm sure that some bottom feeder is going to jump on Twitter right now and show me a picture of Kenny from New Japan where the same thing happened. No, well, last night's when I saw it for the first time. And I liked that picture that I saw. Good beatdown on Mox. Good to see the Good Brothers. We'll see where they go with the Bullet Club. Um, Obviously, the Bullet Club, tons of juice in the pro wrestling business. And let's think about this. Gallows and Anderson. There's so many talent in AEW right now. Miro. um, uh, Cody, obviously. Look at all the talent that's there that was in the WWE that WWE just couldn't find a damn thing to do with. Either can't didn't fi- couldn't find a damn thing to do with them anymore or never could find anything for, to do with to begin with. But wrestling fans seem to be into them a lot. I think it's indicative of some of the problems that go on over there. Now, I don't want to go down this road. I'm just saying. Uh, these are glad it's glaring to me it's like you got the good brothers right there right they were basically bottom feeding jobbers in the wwe they were they were for comedy they had them for jokes and comedy so now we see them in uh you know in in a good light positioned well uh i'm i'm definitely interested to see what the whole you know with the impact and uh aew relationships going to look like where they go with it like you said social media exploded Everybody seems to be into the reunion of the Bullet Club or whatever version of the Bullet Club this is going to be. I'm sure Tomatonga is going to have something to say about it. I'm sure. And and you know what? I look at that as, hey, maybe that's something that could happen in the future. I mean, we're, we, we're going to have to see Moxley with New Japan defending that IWGP US Championship. I mean, they had a number one contenders match at Wrestle Kingdom 15, so that title is going to be defended. So I'm wondering if this is the beginning of a relationship between AEW and New Japan. Because it's funny, Bully, you just mentioned earlier in the show that when AEW was first starting, you thought it was going to be a hybrid of, you know, Ring of Honor and New Japan. That's what really slapped me in the face at the end of that show last night. When you see Kenny Omega with Gallows Gallows and Anderson and the Young Bucks, that's exactly what I thought. And really, that's the the foundation or the core of AEW wrestling. I think they're doing a good job of building your younger talent and also trying to get new fans to watch. But you would agree that that's their foundation is that audience. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're playing right to their audience. And, you know, like um, with rock and roll bands, you know, rule number one, give them what they paid for. Give them what they want to see. Um, and, and this is this is one of the this is going to sound really weird, Dave. One of the biggest lessons that I learned from Vince McMahon. And he taught me this lesson one on one. 
He said, Bubba, never put stuff together for what you want to see. Put stuff together for what the fans want to see. And that always resonated with me because I always think about the world of rock and roll. And then I always tried to follow what Vince taught me about what do the people want to see tonight? What are they going to sink their teeth into? What are they going to go home remembering? And then I, sometimes I watch the WWE product and I'm like, well, you're not giving the fans what they want to see, Vince. Take your own advice. AEW is doing that. They are catering to their fan base. They are playing to their wheelhouse Now, whether or not that translates into more viewers every week remains to be seen. Will this whole potential Bullet Club reunion uh, radiate through uh, the wrestling community enough for the rating to go up? We'll see. Blew up on social media last night. It did. What do you think? There was, I mean, there was to me, there was more buzz on social media from that than there was from Snoop Dogg. And again, we saw with Celebrity, Shaquille O'Neal got that was the highest rated segment a few weeks back was was, was that segment with Shaquille O'Neal. And now you have Snoop Dogg, and even there, you're creating kind of a buzz bully because Snoop Dogg is somebody you saw on WWE programming. Snoop Dogg is somebody you saw walk down the aisle with Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks' theme song right now is Snoop Dogg rapping. And then you're here, you see Cody come into the ring and Snoop Dogg is rapping to Cody's theme. That's like, that's amazing to me. And like, you know me, Bully, I'm not crazy about the celebrity doing anything in the wrestling ring. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of that. I don't, I, I never liked like a Flo Rida knocking Heath Slater down. It was a, you know, but there was kind of like a surreal watching, watching Snoop Dogg on the top rope doing that splash. Pretty awful, by the way, but it's, but you know what? That's the type of thing that's going to get you eyes on your product is Snoop Dogg jumping off the top rope onto somebody. And it, it, listen, the WWE did it with people like Mike Tyson or Lawrence Taylor and WCW did it with uh, uh, Rodman and Carl um, uh, Malone. You always want to go outside of your wrestling bubble to bring fans in. I will say this, um, that the, the guy that Snoop Dogg hit his splash on, that Serpentico guy. Yeah. Whoever trained that guy should never train another wrestler again because how dare Serpentico allow Snoop Dogg to splash him? He had horrible trainers. <laughs> he did. I mean, but at least, you know what it is, though? It was almost like I'm not a big fan. It's almost acceptable because he was already laid out already. It's like it was the cherry on top. It's not like they actually made Snoop Dogg a factor in that match. So I was fine with it. But it was like, it was, there was like a second there, like, oh, my God, Snoop Dogg is going to fall flat on his face. Yeah. Like, he, he couldn't catch his balance on that top rope for a second. There. And Jericho yapping in the background while he was trying to do it was priceless. Jericho sounds like Dino from the Flintstones half the time. <laughs> And you know Snoop Dogg's been higher than that. And also (laughs) Sasha Banks was kind of critical of her cousin's uh, work in the match last night, which I I thought was kind of funny. But, you know, Snoop Dogg bringing the two organizations together in his own way. But even that, hey, that's that's creating buzz. That's creating some way that that's Sasha Banks' cousin. She he wraps Sasha down to the ring and now he's doing it for Cody Rhodes on AEW Dynamite and getting more getting a little bit more involved than probably he has ever done in the WWE. 
Again, making moments, making memories. Again, when it comes to the Pure Pro Wrestling NXT, when it comes to those moments, and then what we saw last night with the end of that show with Kenny Omega, with the Young Bucks, and of course, Gallows and Anderson, and we know the relationship with Impact Wrestling, but now are they creating that relationship with New Japan? Time will tell. Hey everyone, this is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. And I hope to see nothing but great things for Rhea Ripley. If I had the pencil, I would push that woman to the moon. Um, much like I talk about Becky Lynch with the Stone Cold treatment, who who will be on today at 11 a.m. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, I feel the same way about Rhea Ripley. Her stature alone, her look alone, her presence alone. She has star written all over her. Um the way she does her makeup, the way she does her hair, the way she's got the little, uh, you know, dent in her eyebrow, her gear. She just, to me, she she looks the part. She she reeks of superstar. Um, and so, but so does Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez. And Raquel is a, has a more stripped down, traditional look of just genuine badassery. And I think that's what's going to propel her to superstardom if used the right way. Now, as much as I loved the match last night. A couple of things stuck out to me that kind of bothered me a little bit, and I want to get... I, I know you're not going to be bothered by it, and not that I was really bothered by it, but uh, a little bit more attention should have been paid to this stuff, and I think the match would have uh, possibly come off better. When they were in the back fighting, we saw... Who was it? Dakota Kai come out with a kendo stick? Yeah. And start beating the crap out of uh, Rhea Ripley, right? Yes. That kendo stick spot would have meant a hell of a lot more if they didn't pull that kendo stick out from underneath the ring earlier on. It was unnecessary. And this goes back to my argument about this kendo stick gimmick being bastardized and whored out and butchered for a long time now. If you know you have a run-in later in the match where Dakota Kai's entire gimmick is going to be beating the crap out of Rhea Ripley with a kendo stick and then Rhea's going to come back and shove her in a locker, you don't need to pull a kendo stick out from underneath the ring early. It was inconsequential. It didn't mean anything. You could have got the same mileage out of chopping Rhea Ripley in the back repeatedly. Anything. You could have used the you could use the wet noodle and got the same mileage. You didn't need the kendo stick. So after I kind of showed showed you that point, how how do you see it? I I agree. And you know what? Too, it's not even about the kendo stick. It's about the usage of the kendo stick in that place. If you're in the back and you're in a locker room area, like they could have used anything as a weapon. The kendo stick just didn't make sense. It, it, where they were right there. I love the fact that, you know, Rhea Ripley stuffed Dakota Kai in the locker. I thought that was kind of cool. But with everything that was around that, you could have used anything, a chair, a bench, you know, uh, a fire extinguisher, anything that was on the walls as a weapon. A kendo stick just seemed out of place for that environment at that time. 
I agree. The kendo stick, no matter where it appears lately, seems out of place. But yeah. if you know that Dakota Kai is going to run in with the stick, don't use the stick early on in the match. It doesn't do, do you any good. Now, I want to talk about the referee also. Okay. I noticed after every major bump, the referee was going over and squeezing both women's hands. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm not down with it. You do that if you think something went drastically wrong. If the women are rolling around and selling and registering, you can tell with your trained eye if everything is okay. Squeezing their hands in a last woman standing match to me is a major disconnect. So what would have happened if he would have went over and squeezed one of the women's hands and they didn't squeeze back? Would he have started the 10 count or would he called for medics? You can't, to me, you can't do that. I'm not a fan of referees being so involved in the quote unquote safety of the wrestler. And I mean that in the scope of the working of the match, not in reality. If a referee thinks something really bad happened to a wrestler, yes, you want to go check on them immediately, but not squeezing their hands after every bump. Like when, uh, like uh, when she did the uh, when uh, Gonzalez gave uh, Rhea the backdrop onto the table, the referee's like right there, squeezing hands. Like, what are you doing? But some of it even was like out of place too. There's like one time like Gonzalez just pushed Rhea into like the the uh, NXT logo that was on the top of the entrance ramp, and Rhea Ripley fell back and then fell down to the ground. And she and like Raquel Gonzalez kind of fell in exhaustion. Even there, yep. he went to both and like grabbed their hands. That's not even after like a, a major bump or anything like that. And now you want to hear the biggest disconnect of them all? Go ahead. When did the referee not squeeze their hands? During the big spot. <laughs> the finish. <laughs> Yeah. The biggest spot of the match, the, yeah. the, the one that could have caused the most harm to both women. He didn't he didn't reach in that hole to squeeze their hands. What did he do? And he started to count immediately. That's what have, should have been happening the whole match. And if you're going to count, you have to have the same cadence throughout the match. That referee counted considerably slower early on and then did have a more traditional 10 count for the finish. So those are little things to me, the tightening of the screws that will make the match more believable and better. And you know what? Even with that, the match was absolutely fantastic because of, the because of the competitors that were involved in that match. To quickly go to the other show, one of the, one of the segments or one of the matches that I was not a fan of was uh, Sheeta and Abaddon from last night I, I just I just I didn't like there wasn't really much I liked about it because here's Abaddon the only thing I liked about it really was Chris Jericho's reference to the band Venom because he talked about bloodlust off of uh, black metal and talked about Abaddon the drummer from Venom which I thought and and I love the way he played off of it from JR like JR knew what he was talking about where I'm sure JR had no idea what Jericho was talking about that was fun but, you know, as we talked about with Shayna Baszler, and I know this is different. When Shayna Baszler bit Becky Lynch, we both hated it. Even though it was a, a bit of a surprise and things like that, we weren't a fan of it. I understand it fits into Abaddon's character, but I'm sorry. It's a complete disconnect. She she drags Sheeta under the ring, bites her, and Sheeta comes out with her neck, you know, bleeding, blood coming out of her neck. And she's like, like it's almost like, you know, he, she punched her. I mean, that's how she sold it. 
And yes. then like you're you're building Abaddon, and I, I I I love Abaddon. She's completely different. This is a a personality and character unlike any other in in wrestling right now. And she loses clean. Like we're I mean I I don't know I don't know what they were doing with that match last night. I'm a fan of Abaddon. I think her she portrays and delivers her character very effectively. As a matter of fact, I'd love to see Abaddon crawl out from underneath Mark Henry's bed one night and scare the bejesus <laughs> out of him. Um, but I'm not. I, I agree with you. I was not on board. This whole neck biting thing. You ever hear the term "go for the jugular"? Yes. What is the jugular? Jugular is is your your neck, like is you'll bleed your out vein in you, your neck, yeah. the jugular vein, right? Yeah. And if you go for the jugular, you're probably going to kill somebody. What did she bite last night? The neck, where the jugular is. She should have been spurting blood like a Tarantino. It should have been like Uma Thurman versus the Crazy Eighty Eight with blood spurting all over the place. But what did we get? We got a special effect. Like we control this stuff, people. Let's not make it hokey. Chris Jericho going, oh my God, blah, 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 is so over the top and hokey, but it works for Jericho. Orange Cassidy's gimmick is hokey, but it really works for Orange Cassidy. What they did last night with the biting and the blood, and she's probably going to be fine today, it's a disconnect. Stay away from it. Present Abaddon like this exorcist-esque or the ring-esque character that she is. I want to see fear in other women's eyes. I don't want to see, you know, let's take let's take fake blood and, and how it has worked in wrestling. Gangrel. Yeah. Was he really drinking blood and spitting blood? No. It was the same goop that was on uh, What's-Her-Name's neck last night. But it worked. Because the whole gimmick, you know was presented the right way. I think they have something special with Abaddon. Seeing her lose clean in the middle last night, sorry, not on board. And you know what? Like with Sheeta and, you know, you're building her up like a credible champion, probably don't want to put her in a match with Abaddon. Like it, it, there's no reason to have that match to begin with. I think this is why more people are, are into like what's going on now with Thunder Rosa. And Britt Baker and Serena Deeb, like I think there's that that's more of the, you know, the quote unquote credible championship as opposed to what we're seeing with Cheetah right now. Because when you put her in matches like the one that we saw last night, it's going to be a complete disconnect. And I think that definitely was the case last night. It's not how I would have put it together. Okay, 877-344-4893, 877-FIGHT93. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go out to Bama Dave. What's going on, Bama Dave? How you guys doing this morning? What's up, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great as well. Hey, guys, last night uh, was probably the only the only thing better about my birthday yesterday was my wife's lasagna. Last night was absolutely phenomenal uh, watching this out of wrestling. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, in terms of the main event, um, do you guys perceive there being a third time with this? Because, Dave, I know you and I love the history of Kyle O'Reilly, and we talk a lot about – you know, the rivalry he had with Adam Cole, where he just never could quite get there. And then when he finally got there, it was such a big moment when he finally won the title off Adam. Do you perceive them trying to maybe retell that story a little bit between uh, Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly? Or do you think this is done and the next thing for Finn Balor is carrying across? You know what, Bama David? It's a great question. And this is some of the issues with NXT Bully and the fact that, you know, 
Are you building towards storylines? Who's moving up to the main roster? If you look at the roster right now for NXT, Bully, as you mentioned before, you could look at a Rhea Ripley and you could think of some stories of where she could go. But, you know, after that loss last night and the Rumble coming up in a couple of weeks, you're like, yeah, probably more seeing her leave NXT and go to the main roster and maybe see her a part of the Royal Rumble. I would love to see an Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly kind of have that feud again like they did in Ring of Honor. I just don't know what the future of any of these wrestlers are with NXT. Let's not talk about their future. Let's just assume they're going to stay in NXT. We're assuming Rhea is going to move on just because she's been losing so much. And, you know, they're doing the right thing with her. She's putting everybody else over on the way out. I hope I my hope for the NXT roster is that Vince doesn't watch. Actually, forget about Vince. Vince probably doesn't watch. The creative teams don't watch. They do. I'm just being a douche right now. But I don't want any of these talents called up. Now, if you told me, hey, this is our plan for this talent. Hey, Bubba, we're going to bring Rhea up. She's going to win the Rumble. She's going to go to WrestleMania. And then after WrestleMania, she's going to do this. If you got a plan, that's great. If you're going to hit the gas on this woman, that's great. If not, leave the man. You know Vince... Um, Vince was not a fan of Daniel Bryan's size, but guess who was the WWE universe and the WWE universe got Daniel Bryan over. If you don't have that, Vince loves Braun Strowman because of his size. Vince loves Goldberg because of his size. Obviously Vince has always loved bigger, more impressive looking men, right? Yes. If you're a smaller dude, Alistair Black had Alistair Black. We love to death, right? What's Vince doing with him? Nothing. He hasn't been on TV in months. Right. And even before Zelina got let go. So this is not like Zelina heat. Um, You bring Cole, Fish, O'Reilly, all these guys to the main roster. They're, They're small dudes. And me saying that they're small dudes is not a knock on them because in ring they are phenomenal. They, I, 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 I like all of these guys. They're also talented. And I will always have a special little spot in my Cole Blackheart for Adam Cole. And he knows why. So, but on the main roster, they're going to get lost in the shuffle on stature alone. They'll probably be working with the, uh, with the, the Lucha House Party. Yeah, that would probably be in a, a mid-card feud with Retribution. So, and, and, if, and if, that's, if, if that's their future, no, man, leave them in NXT. I'd rather see, I think I'd rather see recycled stuff with these guys than, uh, I'd rather see them continue to feud with Pat McAfee than have them move up to the main roster and be in mid-card hell. I agree with you. That's, that's just my opinion. And you know what, like you, you, you talk about Adam Cole and certainly over the course of the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole has been the star. They're doing a really good job right now with Kyle O'Reilly, but that's just recently. But for a long time, Kyle O'Reilly was just one of the members of Undisputed Era. Adam Cole is one thing, and there would be my doubts of Adam Cole on the main roster. But when you look at Roderick Strong, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. I'm. I agree with you, Bully. I there. I don't. I, they deserve it. 
They're talented enough, but I can't see a Vince McMahon looking at those guys and saying, all right, let's put a rocket on these guys' backs and shoot them to the main, to the main event because that's just not going to happen. Look what, look what they did with Keith Lee after moving him from NXT to the main roster. What do you think he would do with a Roderick Strong or a Bobby Fish? I think I think Keith Lee had got got some traction last week in his loss to Drew McIntyre because that is what Vince was looking for in Keith Lee to work the big man style so he has people for Drew to work with. And Keith did well last week. I don't know if we spoke about it at length. I think we both agreed that it was a good match. It was a better match for Keith. We talked about how Drew was a leader in that match. We talked about how maybe Keith was a little lost once or twice, but for the most part, a much better showing for Keith Lee last week. We mentioned Karrion Cross. I know you went on the old Twitter machine last night and uh, put over his entrance, but I got to tell you, I love Damian Priest's entrance too. Yeah, it's, he's, got a, he's got a badass entrance, man. Priest has a great entrance, but I agree with you. Cross's entrance, because just adding Scarlett. Scarlett does such a great job uh, playing her role during his entrance. I like the way they go black and white on her and the makeup she uses. And everything about that, unfortunately, reeks of main roster. Yeah, it does. It really does. My God, his entrance. Look at him. Look at her. What are we doing with him? I don't know. <laughs> Just but get him up here. Uh, hey, boss. You know, uh, uh, you know, yeah, they got a great entrance and everything. But uh, what are we gonna do with him? I don't know, and I don't care. But boss. But nothing. Black coffee. Filet rare. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.